was born again. And, uh, and by July of 2012 was the day I got baptized uh, publicly to announce my faith. And because of the lifestyle I led, and I, mean, I knew no one would believe it. They would never believe that someone like me would be, become a Christian and get saved. I put a little ad in the local paper and said, if you don't believe it, come and watch it. Welcome to the Isle of Misfits, where we have three core values that are all tied for first place, and they are own your awkward, love your fellow misfit, and look for beauty and truth everywhere. I am your humble host and chief misfit, Nancy Carmichael, and today I think we're going to hit on all three of them, their core values, at least I know I am, because I am so excited to have a very special guest with us today who is a bit of a misfit himself, and I I hope he doesn't mind that I'm calling him that, because it's actually a badge of honor around here. Um, And I say that because he is one of a handful of people serving the state of New York as a Christian. And I'm not talking about the kind where you just check the box, right, and go to those two services a year. No, I'm talking about a bold and outspoken Christian, in a winsome way, of course, who's not afraid to put convictions in front of politics. He is a member of the New York State Assembly representing District 147 here in western New York, where I live, and his name is David DiPietro. So, may I be the first to welcome you to Misfit Territory. Thank you so much for joining us today, David. Oh, I'm honored to be a part of the group. (laughs) Thank you very much, Nancy. We are honored to have you. Like I said, it is a badge of honor because, you know, misfits come in all shapes and sizes, and there's all kinds of reasons to be a misfit. But you, my friend, are a misfit in the very best sense. And, and I want, we're going to talk about that today because, um, oh, yeah, there's, there's so much. Um, I've heard you speak before, um, and I just, you know, just follow you in the, in the news. So you have a lot to encourage the rest of us misfits with. Uh, but before we do that... I gave you fair warning. You did not run away. My listeners know that it's time we do this thing right by playing a stupid game. Stupid game. Let's have it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you didn't run away. Looking forward to it. All right, I'm so glad you're looking forward to it. So today's stupid game, I always craft them in the time-honored tradition of our forefathers uh, after something special I know about each guest. And today, the special fact I know about you is your birthday. So um, I don't know if we should reveal your birthday right away. Maybe we could add a layer of the stupid game for the listeners and wait until the end. Maybe they can figure it out because we're gonna we're gonna have some fun facts about the day you were born. So, are you up? Okay. Are you up for it? I'm up for it. He's up for it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if I had some stupid game theme music, I'd be playing it right now. Maybe maybe in post production. Okay. So your first question. We're gonna start with an easy one. I know you're gonna get this, but just in case, I have multiple choice. On the day you were born, who was president? Was it Truman? Was it Eisenhower? Or was it Kennedy? Actually, it was when I was born, 
It was Eisenhower, wasn't it? It was Eisenhower. Yes, it wasn't. I did. Yes, it wasn't a trick question. I almost broke out into the carpenters on the day that you were born. Eisenhower was president. Yes. So very good. You got that first question right. Right after that. Okay. Yeah, yep. not too long after that, and Truman was before. Yeah, I, I should have thrown like you know, like uh, like uh, Carter in there. Then you would have known I was messing with you. Okay, <laughs> all right. So we're honing in. Those of you playing at home, so now you know the general time frame of the day David DiPietro was born. Next question: the top song, pop song, in the nation the day you were born. And this one I have, I have multiple choice. I can give it to you unless you just know it because you might know it. I don't know it. Okay, I'm going to give you multiple choice, and you're going to guess. Okay, was it Kathy's Clown by the Everly Brothers? Was it The Twist by Chubby Checker, or was it The Macarena by... I can't even remember who that's by. I'm going to say the... It's one or... It's the first one or the third... Or it's not The Macarena. You're right, so it's not. The, no, it was... Um, Chubby Checker. I thought Chubby Checker. I'm going to say Chubby Checker. You know, oh, you're so close. Uh, you know, when you said the first one, I should have stopped you right there because it actually was Kathy's Clown by the Everly Brothers. However, okay. just, yeah, so full disclosure, though, you weren't too far off because later on that year, the twist was a big deal. But at that moment yes. of your birth, it was indeed Kathy's Clown. So now you know. Okay. So I remember hearing that the day I was born now. Do you? you? <laughs> the day that you were born. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, one of those, those early memories that just jogs your, <laughs> that part of your brain. Okay, yeah. we're moving on here. Celebrities who share your exact birthday. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple of names here, and you just have to pick one. All right, so two of them are true, and one of them is false. That's all I'm going to tell you. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so you have a two out of three chance of getting this one right. So, the day that you were born, you share a birthday with, is it Julia Roberts? Is it Aaron Brockovich? Or is it Tracy Pollan, who starred with Michael J. Fox in Family Ties? For those of you at home. So, I Ju- that's a good one. I, you know, and I know so many people who share my birthday. But yeah. And I'm not saying the day. I'm saying the year, the day and the year. Like oh, they're the exactly as, o- as old as you. Yeah. Oh, not just the day. So who, the yeah. Year, so, so who is exactly as old as you? Is it Julia Roberts? Is it Aaron Brockovich as played by Julia Roberts or Tracy Pollan who starred in the hit 80s sitcom Family Ties? Okay, I'm going to have to go with, uh, I don't think it's Julia Julia Roberts. i I got to say, it's got to be younger than me. So I'm going to say the second one. The second one, as played by Julia Roberts. And that is absolutely correct. Erin Brockovich shares your birthday. She She's the one that was made famous. She was out in California, and she uh, <laughs> she helped in a a civil lawsuit against a plant that was poisoning people, basically. So she made history. So you share birthday with a history mm-hmm. maker. Good there for you. you. Go. Yeah. yeah, and you were right. Julie Roberts, she's more, like, she's closer to my age. Not that I'm that much younger than you, but yes, she, is, she was born several years later. All right, yeah, you're, doing, she's you're doing excellent. Um, so this is just a fun fact. Um, people, all right, so people that were born the same day, although not necessarily the same year as you, uh, include Bono, 
Valerie Bertinelli and Stanley Tucci. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. Bono, huh? Bono. Yep, you and Bono. And Valerie Bertinelli, yeah. who we know was married yeah. to Eddie Van Halen and starred yeah. in the hit show One Day at a Time in the 70s. So I know a little That's bit too right. much about pop culture. So, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> I used to watch that show because of Valerie Bertinelli. Uh, I'm sure, yeah. yes, you and many others like you. So, yes. She was, <laughs> she was yeah. cuter than a button for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right, final question, and this one I don't expect you to know the answer unless you've ever looked this up, but it's just fun. So what day, unless you remember this, this could be one of your early, early memories, what day of the week were you born? I'll give you, and I'll even give you multiple choice. Was it Monday, Wednesday, or Friday? I'll do that again. Was it Monday, Wednesday? picture of the day I was born. Do you really? Yeah, yeah, and it just has the date, but I thought my mom told me. Boy, I'm probably wrong. Oh, no, if your mom said something different, we're going with your mom. Yeah, I thought it was a Friday. Okay, then you win, because what does the Internet know? I'm going with your mom, so ding, 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 you got the right answer. We can look it up later. (laughs) So, all right, so all that, so we've narrowed it down to the sort of the month, the year, and um, so you were born. Do you want to reveal? Do you want to do the reveal? Should we just keep people, we could keep them in the dark and have them figure it out himself. June 22nd, 1960. 1960, a very fine year it was. Yes, it was a decade that really changed the world in many, many ways. So you did an excellent job. So... Congratulations. I usually give some sort of random prize, so I'll find something random from my house and have it sent to you. So, Yeah, that uh, trip to the Cayman Islands is awesome. Thank you. Yes, that random, yeah, that random trip. Oh, gosh, I think I used that last month. So I'll have to find another random tropical trip around the house. But no, seriously, thanks. You, you're a good sport. Um, so, so he, all right, here's where I want to go. From 1960 to 2000. 12. I'm jumping ahead a little bit. So we're going to skip ahead because I hear something significant happen in your life around that time, around 2012-ish. In fact, maybe you even want to back up from there because here's the thing. I want to hear, and I know my misfit friends want to hear a bit of your story. So I'm going to shut up and let you start talking now. Well, it was, um, you know, I lived a very uh, fast-paced lifestyle. I didn't get married till I was 44 and uh, uh, it was amazing that uh, God came into my life at times you're talking about. So uh, I lived the hard life, uh, and I always tell people when I got saved, I said, boy, if you can save someone, God always uses the worst and the, the wretched, and <laughs> you know, he'll save a wretch like me. Amazing grace. And I tell amazing people, my hand, too. You can work that. If he can work that miracle with me, he can do it with everybody. So Amen. You can, uh, you know, it's never too late. You know, obviously, I was saved later in life, which was, I just get on my knees and pray and, and bless God as much as I can every day for doing that for me and opening my eyes and and uh, being close to Jesus. And, and that's uh, it's an amazing thing. So, that's, uh, so in uh, January of... Uh, it's amazing how we did it too. But in January of 2012, I had one of those moments where God said, "Enough! God just said, enough's enough. You're done with living the way you've been living." And uh, 
and grabbed me literally by the scruff of the neck and and wham that was it i mean literally it was one of those uh, lightning bolt moments and and then i just started growing from there and you know i was born again and uh and by july of 2012 was the day i got baptized uh publicly to announce my faith and because of the lifestyle i led and i mean mean, no one would believe it they would never believe that someone like me would be become a christian and get saved i put a little ad in the local paper and said if you don't believe it come and watch it love it and love it in the church i just because i the first thing i remember of the scripture was uh god um and jesus uh said basically what he was saying if you're ashamed of me i will be ashamed of you in front of the father Mm, yep and uh, i remembered that and i said you know i'm not going to be ashamed i'm not going to hide what's happened because i'm I'm all in and so i put a little local paper and you know just to tell people i mean i don't know what just came i said you know what because people i said no one's going to believe it but i'm not ashamed i want people to know it come and see right come and see for yourself and the little church was overflowing. I never forget seeing all these faces of people, friends from the bars and stuff like that. And they thought it was a joke until I got up there and, and they saw the whole thing. And uh, the amazing part about that was I don't think I heard from 90% of those, 99% of those people ever again. They wow. just ran away. They just, you know, people I'd known since high school, lived with, partied with. They just disappeared. Wow. That's one way to clear out your Facebook friends. Yeah, they were just that was it was amazing how. Wow. You know, I was told that's what's going to happen, and I was you know at the time I was like no, but it did. That's what happened. And, uh, but you know it's been what an incredible journey. Um, and there you were. faith and, and telling people about Jesus and and about the power. So and you're yeah. Awesome. So you're coming up on ten years really in another month or so. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So, all right, I want to I want to back up just a little bit, just to that that moment that precipitated the lightning bolt. Can you tell us what was going on? Um I was married. Uh my daughter was 4, maybe. And we were just in church and uh <clears throat> there was an ex-marine speaking and uh uh, all of a sudden, <clears throat> I don't even know what he said. He just, I just, he said something about standing up, and I stood up, and I, in my mind, went into a total fog for about four minutes, and I was just standing there by myself, and people were just, I guess, people were just staring at me. You know, he said, you know, if anybody wants to turn their life over to Christ, and and it was just an amazing thing, and uh, and all of a sudden, I. When I became had clarity, <clears throat> I looked down and my wife was crying and uh, my because she'd probably uh, been praying for that for some time. I'm guessing. Yes, well, she had been saved about a year, a little mm. over a year earlier, mm-hmm. and and uh, so she was. And then uh, <laughs> a bunch of people were crying and and then came up to me afterwards and, and they said, uh, you know, we're so happy that you turned your life over. And I, because I stood there, and I'll tell you what, it was just an amazing thing. I had this overwhelming feeling. And I just remember standing there and looking around, and and everything sort of stopped around me. And it was, 
amazing. And I sat down and my wife was crying. I said, what are you crying for? <laughs> she, said, she goes, because you just gave your life to Christ. And I said, I did what? <laughs> is, that, is that what I did? Is that what just and, happened? And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, I, I knew I'd stood up, but I don't, again, it was when God just said, that's it. Here we go. You know, if you're not going to, you know, you know, even though I'm in church and, and he just said, I got better plans for you. And even if you're not going to come, well, I'm going to take you. And he did. And it was, it was an amazing thing. And since then, literally my, my life has taken off in a whole new direction, which was just amazing, you know. So, so it's yeah, been, doors have opened, and I've been able to talk to so many people. And he put me in this position. And I told, I was in the middle of the race at the time politically. Okay, so talk and about that because tough. where were you in the assembly at that point? Because I know you had other, you held other positions in government. Mm-hmm. So no, it was, I was, not. I was okay. I was out of politics. Mm-hmm. I'd been a trustee in East Roy, and then I was the mayor, and then I was out, and I had gotten into this, literally, when this happened, I had just gotten into the race, and it was a four-way, at the time, four-way primary for this one seat, which turned into a seven-person, and it got really hectic, and I just remember going through this conversion through the winter and spring, going into the election cycle for the primary in, in September, and, and literally arguing with God at the time, a couple of times, saying, look, if you don't want me here, just you know, give me a sign. I'll get out. I'll walk away. I've been in politics. I don't know the sleazy underbelly. I don't like it. You know, and this is, and now that you've called me, I will walk away. I said, I don't need to be in politics. I said, so, you know, if you want me, you know, again, I'm in a four-way and then a seven-way. I said, I said, so it was really crazy. I said, look. Don't worry, get me out, God, just tell me. But if you want me in there, I know you'll open the doors, and I will go up there, not for what I used to do when in politics, because I could do politics in my sleep. I said, I'll go up there to serve you. And uh, and I didn't know what shape or form that was going to take because I was a newbie. You know, I was just <laughs> a newborn, just, just, just overwhelmed. I mean, when I was... In January of 2012, when that happened, it took about two weeks, and and then and then there was another sledgehammer hit me, and literally, uh, my wife will tell you, I was crying every day, just uncontrollably. Something with, it was just God just took it over and uh, uh, took over my whole life, and and I would just be in the car, and I'd pull in the driveway, and I'd just be bawling, and I just I just I didn't you know what it was just. He really put so much on my heart and made me look back and mm. and said, I'm moving you forward, and this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so when it came to politics, I said, look, you know, I'm not going to get there without you. And it was a, that's a whole other story another time, but he opened up all the doors. And uh, and it was amazing that I just said, I'm going to go up there for you, and yeah. you, you'll guide, direct me, and make sure that I stand strong for you. I said, I, I can do this politics stuff in my sleep, but that's so, not why I'm going to Albany. Right, and okay, so this is what's really interesting to me, because a lot of times people have that moment, right? We, we talk about the come to Jesus moment, and you literally had that moment, and in those moments we think, okay, I've got to forsake everything, leave the whole, you know, my leave it all behind and just follow Jesus, and sometimes we interpret that as, okay, I'm going to give this up for you, Jesus, because that's how much I love you, but the answer that 
that came back to you was, no, I don't want you to give it up. I want you to give it over. And there's Correct. a difference, right? There's a difference, a difference when we give over, you know, and and that's just what he did. Because like you said, you had done politics, you know, for I don't know how long, but it sounds like you're pretty comfortable in that arena. And, and yet something changed. And he didn't say, nope, give it up. He says, you're going to do it a different way. And I love that. That's exactly right. Now, a couple of years earlier, I had run for a Senate seat and I got into a primary for a Senate seat. And it was amazing because uh, polling wise, it's, I was actually winning this with about four days to go. And then some things happened and I lost very close race and I lost the primary. And then I look back after all this happened, the moral of that story is I look back and Jesus wasn't ready to put me up there which I didn't understand at the time, but I need to look back now. I'm like, God was like not ready to put me up there because I wasn't saved. Mm. And he sort mm. of said, you're not going to win this. Even if you're winning or close, you're not going to, I'm not putting you up there because you're not ready in my eyes. It's in my time. God always, it's always in God's time. And we don't always understand it. We want instant answers. We want things. Oh, and don't we we don't see the whole picture. You know, we see in a dark room, you see where the flashlight shines but you don't see behind you and you don't see to the left and the right you only see what you see in front of you and god sees the whole room is lit up and so he knew no this isn't it this isn't i don't want you up there right now because you're not going to go up there for me you're not going to do the things i need you to do and it was amazing i look back now and of course i was going to lose that he was god i wasn't saved and he wasn't he didn't you know that wasn't in his plans for me yet right and and really that was a kindness to you because you know it sounds to me like you're saying, no, you're not ready. You're not ready for that. And who knows, maybe maybe one day, but to put you in a position where you weren't ready to fulfill his purposes, it would have been not just premature, but it, it might have been detrimental to you. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, you know, again, my lifestyle and things of that nature, you know, I wasn't ready to go to Albany. No way. It's, it's, you know, again, it's amazing how God works, and a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, but once you um, get that knowledge and you can get that a little bit more clarity and you can see how God works sometimes, it's amazing how he he, he, he maneuvered that whole thing. So it was, it's been a great, great ride. It's been an amazing to go up there with a whole different mindset. And trust me, that's not the mindset of out of 150 people. That's not the mindset of 148 of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are three, and there's where the misfit comes in, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's amazing. That if you're in any other religion, say, you know, when God doesn't like religion, he likes, uh, he wants you to, to, to give you his, all the worship to him and Jesus. You know, he doesn't want, uh, you know, he doesn't want religion per se. And, uh, but any other thing else, if you're any other denomination or religion, but if you're a born-again Christian, you're attacked mercilessly. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's. Uh, as follower, they don't want that. So let's address this for a second. So first of all, so that one fifty that you're speaking of, just just for clarity's sake, so that one fifty you're talking about, there are one hundred and fifty assembly persons in New York State That's Legislature, correct. right? Okay, and you are one of them. You're number one forty seven, right, for our district. So um, yeah, so now you are in Albany. You didn't go as a senator, but you're there as a New York State Assemblyman, and yeah, so one forty eight out of one fifty are people that don't have or at least profess or outwardly show a faith in in Jesus Christ like as you do. So 
I want to talk about that. Like you said, is you know being being attacked, right? You know, we're hey, we're we're just headlong into cancel culture right here. So there's all kinds of reasons to be attacked right now. But being being a an outspoken Christian is certainly one of them. So um, I want to talk a little bit about that because you are, how shall we say, outspoken on the floor of the New York State Assembly, and I want to talk about courage. Right. Um, and knowing what hill is important enough to stand on. So let's start there. So how, how do you determine that? I think I think what happened with, with me is I remember a meeting I had after I got elected with a very prominent congressman at the time. Took me to took me to breakfast and said, Dave, now he didn't know about my religion, I shouldn't say my conversion, my faith. He just knew me as the politician. Uh, and he just wanted to give me some advice. And I remember him saying, you can remake yourself and be anything you want when you go to Albany. No one knows you up there. You can be the gun guy. You can be the farm guy because of your district. You can be whatever you want. And the whole time he's telling me about this politically, I'm thinking I can be up there for Jesus. I can be up there mm. for God. I can be up there to, to show the faith. And I didn't know anybody up there. And he was like, nobody knows you. So when you walk in there, you've you got a brand new slate whatever you want to be that's what you can be you know and and make that mark and the whole time he's talking politics i'm thinking spiritual mm. and uh, one thing i did was as a newborn christian i carried my bible with me and i said you know when i go to albany i told my wife i'm going to take my bible with me i'm carrying it with me wherever i go and i don't know why i did that i just did that i just came up with that idea and i said because i want to know going up there not knowing anybody or anything or how it works. I said, I want to know uh, who's going to be with me and who's not. I said, because the Bible's a pretty strong beacon. And I put it on my desk and right next to the aisle where I'm at, and it was amazing. All of a sudden, I was totally pigeonholed into this religious nut. And uh, uh, people would walk up by my desk when they're going up and down the aisle. And it was amazing to watch people look at that Bible as they're walking up, going up the aisle, and they would literally, it's only about two feet wide, so it's one person, you have to turn sideways if another person's coming down. The <laughs> desks are that close. And you would watch people turn to the sideways and walk around my desk sideways. It's emitting, Hundreds like, of radiation of some sort, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That thing just was so powerful. It was. I would laugh, and I would tell people around me what I, what I did, because what what, every day I'd have my Bible, and I'd have it on my desk, and I was the only one in the, out of 150 to do that. And and the people behind me or around me would would know that. And then they would would be times when people would be walking by, and all of a sudden, it's not, I'd hear somebody, "Hey, Dave, Dave, did you see that?" I'd be like, "What? You see that person go around your desk?" I mean, because they knew it, so they, they it became a joke to watch people going up and down the aisle. Nice, and, uh, nice. But we'll talk about yeah. The book was. Talk about a litmus test, right? You know, I mean, I guess your first one was when you took that ad out in the paper. Hey, come and see. You're not going to believe it. Um, that that was a filter there. And this was another, uh, I would say, a milestone event. Another, I don't even want to say a filter, but like you said, this was testing who was with me. You, this was your declaration. More than who's with me is like, this is who I am. So, th- so that was, to me, that's the... That's the first hill you stood on. I was like, nope, I'm standing. I'm not going as the gun guy. I'm not going as the farm guy. I'm sure you have 
I'm sure you have uh, platforms on all of those issues, but your first and foremost representation is is as a servant of the living God. And for you to make That's that correct. proclamation right off the bat, I think is remarkable. And, uh, and because of that, and then my stance on life was really, um, I mean, the people there, it, it, the corruption there is so bad that, you know, just with the Bible issue, there are so many people that I could tell you their names, but it's not worth it. But they, just from day one, when they saw that I carried a Bible, they hated me. I mean, the, the vitriol, the comments, I was like, you don't even know me. You know, you don't even, but they wouldn't even talk to me, give me the time of day. It was just, uh, but that's the way it was, you know, and I, I totally accepted it, but it was real eye-opening because God made it very clear, uh, you know, there's a big division, there's a big dividing line. I mean, some people would walk up, not even, they don't even recognize the book, and they just put their hand right on it, lean over, and they're talking to me, and I just laugh because, you know, they had no clue, you know, got their hand on the Bible, and they're sitting there talking to me, and they wouldn't walk away, and but other people, it was, you know, and it, that's what I wanted. I wanted to see where people were because I didn't know, and I was brand new to this, and, and it was eye-opening, and I, you know, I still do it to this day. I carry it wherever I go. So okay. it's, 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 it's yeah. my strength. It's my, you know, I read it. I'll sit there during during conference, and we'll be on some innocuous debate, and, you know, I just open up the Bible and ask God to give me some strength and, and wisdom and and it's very peaceful. It's very, uh, you know, especially in the tough times, to have so, the Bible with me. So as your foundation, right, as this is your first, yeah, your first stand is standing on the Word of God, making that declaration in Albany, um, and and wherever you go. Because, right, in Him we live and move and have our being. It's not like we walk in and out of it. It's who we are. And, you know, right. you you brought up... Uh, you brought up a scripture earlier. You talked about, you know, if 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 we are ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us. And um, it stood out to me uh, for several reasons. I was actually just kind of reading through that, and um, at least in I think it's in the book of Second Timothy where it, it it talks about, yeah, if we if we are ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us. But then it goes on to say this: if we are faithless. He will remain faithful, for he cannot disown, disown himself. And isn't that interesting? Because even while God gives us that chance to be faithful, right, and we can either step into it, we can say yes, or we can say, nope, I'm not going to take that chance because there's too much at risk. I have my career. I have my family. I have, you know, all the reasons um, that, that we who say we believe in the name of Jesus might have for maybe not stepping into that realm. But even if we did, Scripture tells us, guess what? God's still faithful. And if it's not you, if it's not me, it's going to be something else or someone else because God can't be unfaithful to himself. But the fact that he invites us into that, that we get to partner with him for his purpose, just blows my mind. That's right. And as it says... And I tell people, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. End of story, right there. You know, we're, our, that's our commission is to tell people about, you know, the whole Bible is about Jesus saving us, saving your soul, saving you for eternity. Okay, that's the, it's about, you know, people say God is love. Yes, God is love, but God is God. God that's doesn't right. change. God is God. God is going to judge. Yes, he loves you right now, but there's going to come a time where if you haven't accepted his son, if you haven't turned to him, then God is God. 
Okay, he's only got his love right now. You know, he does love all of us. But there's going to be a time when he's going to judge, and he's not going to love you. He's not going to know you. And and you're going to, uh, and if you haven't been saved, uh, all your good deeds in the world are going to mean nothing. Because if you haven't given yourself back to God and Jesus, okay, God is going to be God, and he's going to be a judge. And that's not going to be pretty. So it's, uh, I tell people, you know, people, I see these signs on people's lawns. God is love. Well, in a small sense, yes, that's God is love, but God is God first. Okay. And he doesn't change and he's got a book and he gives you instruction. And if you don't follow it, and if you haven't, you know, if you just live your life and you haven't given yourself back, it, it's a, at a certain point in time, either at your death or at his calling the judgment, you're going to be judged. Okay, and then you're going to be, then you're going to have to uh, face that judgment. Okay, and then there's going to be no more God is love. God, it's going to be black and white, and here it is. Did you know, you, and yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh well, I hate to interrupt that that stream because it's, it's so true. It's a hard word. What you're saying is very hard. It's not mince words. It's a hard word because we do want to hear. Well, God is love. God is love. God loves us. In fact, even if we, you know, there we could misinterpret that scripture and say, well, if we're faithless, God's still going to be faithful, and we're still all going to be good. Well, no, you know, here, there's such a thing as tough love, right? We we've, we've heard about that, and you know, we God doesn't stop being loving. Because he has said what he's going to do, he he laid it out for us. He laid out the That's fact right. that that we're not worthy of being in his presence because we've rebelled from him in our core, and it's only by changing the core of our nature that we can be in his presence. So all of that is an act of love, even enacting his judgment because he's not a liar. So so the two in in my mind go together. But it's your you know the love that we like to latch onto is. It's an emotional, feel-good love, but you know as a parent, right? I know as a parent, anyone who's a parent, or, or a spouse, or, or just a friend. There are times in life when love is not pretty, when love is hard. To do the loving thing might cause some short-term pain. So I, I, I just appreciate that you're willing to, to just speak the bold truths, because I think a lot of us are shrinking away from it. Well, people think that they're they're owed something on this earth, and God says very plain and very boldly, right there, the wages of sin is death. Okay, and we've all sinned, and God's judgment never wavers. And in, in, in God's eyes, we all deserve to be dead since our first sin, whenever it was. You, you pick the age: three years old, five, ten, whatever it is. The wages of sin is death. God is perfect, but because of Jesus. And because of God's mercy, he allows us to continue on this earth and gives us that opportunity. But when we do die, he's going to judge, okay? God's love has run out. Not the fact that his love has run out, but the fact that his judgment is going to come to fruition. And that's where we will stand there in front of him, and our mouth will be shut, and he'll tell, he'll tell us. We won't be asking him questions. Okay, he doesn't doesn't answer our questions like that. He's going to be telling us, here it is. I gave you opportunity after opportunity. You rejected my son. And, 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 and we're just going to have to sit there and say, you're right. That's why all this gnashing of teeth, because people, when, when, when what that means is that, yeah, God showed them. And now they're trying to repent, but it's too late. Okay. 
they had their opportunity, and that's where I don't ever want to get caught in that situation. I'm going to try and build up as many rewards, and I want to be faithful and, and, and run the race. And that's what it is up in Albany, and we were talking about earlier. You know, life is very tough, and it gets very hard, especially now. We've got so much corruption, and we're watching it boldly, uh, like we've never seen in the history of our nation, for sure. And, uh, and people say, how do you stay calm? And it's not that I do. It's just, I'm here to run the race. I'm just going to continue to run the race for Jesus. Okay. Uh, you know, like, uh, like Paul said, and, and uh, we're going to just keep continue going and be bold in the faith. You know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a lot of people don't want to hear it. And I understand that. Okay. They're too busy living a life of earth. And, but someday that life on earth is going to end and then they're going to have to, they're going to have to face the music, so to speak. And that's a tough thing to, t- tough thing to tell people. People don't want to hear it. And I've got friends who don't want to hear it. And like I said, I've got hundreds of friends that walked away from me, uh, just when I was, when I, from my conversion and when I was baptized and it's, uh, you know, and that's just the way, that's how it is. You know, the, the road, uh, the road is wide in many will uh, succumb and, and, and go, but the, the, the gate to heaven is the road, the path to heaven is very narrow, you know, and few will find it. And uh, we have to, and our goal is to try and tell as many people as we can and hopefully, uh, hopefully bring them along. That's what I try to do. So we got to run the race. So Does that, uh, make sense? that makes all, I, I think so. I think it makes a lot of sense. Doesn't mean that it's easy to hear, but again, sometimes the truth is not, you know, we say we don't want to hear it. And I guess that that's true. A lot of people don't want to hear it. And if I'm very honest, sometimes, maybe more than sometimes, I don't want to hear it because, you know, I like my comfortable life or I like this or I like that. But that's such short term thinking. Right. And and it really doesn't. It doesn't produce any peace, even in the short term. It's like the ways we trick ourselves. But I would say, especially as a Christian and even to those who would not call themselves Christian, there's still something called eternity that is set in our hearts. All of us have that call within us whether we respond to it or not and the hard words they resonate with that call so there so there is a part of us that does want to hear it even when we don't if that makes sense because there's something in us longing for more and we recognize it and the easy road is well i'm going to do it through like you said like through works or being a good person or carpe diem seize the day you know get everything out of life i can and step on as many people as i need to in the process or you know none of those things work but what you're talking about is right yeah if you, uh, you know, what is it for a man to gain the world and lose a soul? Yeah. Uh, you know, you can, I, I, and a gentleman told me this the other day, and I just thought it was brilliant. And I'm sure it's an old one. Everybody's heard it. But, you know, what do you do your whole life when you try to, you, you, you go, 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 and try to accumulate earthly wealth, right? And then when you die, what do you do? <laughs> Everyone who dies leaves. All they did was they worked to give somebody else something. Because what happens when you die, you can't take it with you. So all those millions or whatever you've built up, you just, just goes to somebody else. And people don't get that, 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 you know, I always, a friend of mine, you know, he's always, it seems like they're always looking for the fountain of youth. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work out like this. I want to be, you know, people are always 
that fountain of youth, and it's it's right there in front of you. you know, it's called eternity. Everybody wants to live forever. Well, you can live forever, and it's not hard. It's just accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And um, so people, they just have this misconception. They don't want to take the easy path, but they think there's some eternal, you know, they're always looking for the fountain of youth. And, and I tell people, you know what? <laughs> I tell some of my friends, I mean, how old are you, 60? You're coming towards the end, and you want to live forever. You can. You actually can live forever. It's it's promised to you. It's and it's easy to do. And but you know what? It's so funny how some people are blind, and that's that's just not the way they want to go. You can't you can't mention God or Jesus to a lot of people. They just they just their, their eyes glaze over and they they tune out. They don't want to hear it. And it's probably the easiest thing they can do. Well, and and you know what? That just harkens me back. So maybe we can land here because you said something earlier. You talked about early right after you got. Um, Right after you encountered Jesus and around the time you got baptized, you thought you had to give up politics. You thought you had to give it up, give it up, give it up. And and I yep. think that's the lie that I think a lot of us believe, right, is, well, I can't give my life to God because I have to give up. I'll have to give up. And and I'm not saying that isn't true. There are things we give up, but but in the bigger picture, God isn't asking us to give up true life, actually. He's, act, he's asking us to give our lives over to him so that we can find true life. Amen. And Amen. that's that's the the beauty of it. So we can say the deception is, you know, well, we don't want to do that cuz I'll give up all my fun stuff. Well, no, there's there's a life that you, we haven't even begun to realize that starts now and lasts for eternity. So, David, you've been so kind. You've given us, um, you know, just so generously of your time. And I I really would love to have you back because there, there's more. I would love to maybe talk about some of the stuff that um, that you're facing, you know, in Albany, things we can be thinking about. I'm, some of us are New Yorkers, but we have people all over the world that are listening to this podcast. So it might be interesting to see what's going on there. But um, I guess to, to, to bring this in for a landing... A lot of my listeners are Christian. Not all of them. I think mm-hmm. a good deal of them are not. But um, for those who are Christian, how can we be praying for you? <laughs> I love it. Uh, people always say, what can we do to help? I say, just pray. I take your prayers over anything. There's power in prayer. And uh, uh, pray for my family. My daughter's 14. She's in ninth grade. And she's, um, you know, she's she's a beautiful girl and i pray for hedges of protection on her and my beautiful wife it's it's a tough thing you know they have to deal with this too and they're they're so supportive i give them all the credit in the world but but it can be tough for them you know to be in this realm too um and the attacks like i say again people uh the gospel is very divisive to a lot of people and boy they they the devil does not want you spreading the word of Jesus Christ. He's going to put every obstacle in your path. So I tell people, look, the prayers, you know, I don't need anything else. Okay. My life, I'm going to run the race and God's opened up a lot of doors, but the prayers uh, for their family and for my job up there to, uh, you know, God, there's a lot of verses that say, you know, shut the mouths of my enemies, you know, so that I can go up there and do God's work. Okay, and uh, and when, you know, we don't want. I don't want to let the devil every day. I tell him get out of my life, and you know, and I ask God to to let me, you know, just do his do his will up there. And that's what I would ask people: just pray. All right, 
All right, so game on, you prayers out there. Your your yep. mission is set before you. Um, so, you know, I'm going to do something I don't often do, but I, I would like to pray for you right now. Is that okay? That'd be awesome. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, God, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to talk, and uh, I just want to pray a blessing over David, over his family, his wife, his daughter, his extended family, Lord. Um, I do ask for that hedge of protection. Of course we ask for that. And even in that context and, and beyond that, I know his greatest and their greatest desire is to glorify your name. And in a world where so many of us, myself included, uh, it's just so tempting to hold on to safety, to be safe, be safe, be safe, and yet miss out on the life that you have for us. I thank you, Lord, that their, that their number one priority has not been safety, but to serve you and to glorify your name and to trust you with the results. So I pray, Father, whether he's on the floor speaking in Albany before an audience that seems to be outwardly hostile or whether he's here in western New York or wherever he is, Lord, that he would sense your favor, that you would speak with authority, and that whoever has ears to hear would listen and respond because of his faithful witness to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Nancy. Appreciate that. Really hey, thank you. And I, you know, I won't put you on the spot. And I'll, ed- you know, I can edit this part out. But I would, um, I'd love to have you back because I would like to talk about some stuff that's going on that that we should maybe be aware of. Oh boy, yeah, that that'd be an awesome show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll wait till the new year for that. I can yeah. bring up all sorts of crazy stuff that's happening but i don't want to depress your listeners uh, too bad right. too much yeah something to look uh, forward to perhaps so all right well david thank you so much and yeah so we're going to air this before christmas so we're just wishing you a very blessed uh christmas season happy new year and um we'll look forward to speaking to you again hopefully soon well thanks and to all your listeners have a blessed christmas and uh thank you so much nancy Right here, right now. Okay, so you praying people, you have your assignment, and the rest of you, well, I hope maybe David gave you some things to think about. Maybe you didn't like everything he had to say, but hey, that is okay, because that is what makes the world go round. Speech that is free. And oh, I hope you value it, friend, because I sure do. And I'm so grateful for people like David DiPietro who use those powers of free speech for good. Because, as that great quotester, Spider-Man's Uncle Ben, once said, with much power comes much responsibility. Hey, thanks for listening. I truly appreciate it. And I really and truly appreciate you helping spread the misfit word by sharing this podcast, maybe giving it a nice review on Apple or Spotify, and of course, following me at isleofmisfits.com. That's I-S-L-E of misfits.com. We're together. We are on an epic mission to help the world own our collective awkward, love our fellow misfit and seek beauty and truth in every corner of the globe. Every hour, overwhelm me with your power, rearrange me here.